What a tumultuous year so far. Tumultuous? Traumatizing? One of those. It certainly feels like as we head into 2023, there are a lot more uncertainties. Entire platforms are changing dramatically. The global economy is at or near a recession. But we still have ads to buy, campaigns to develop regardless. So I thought today for our final week-long series of deep dive episodes, we would look at tomorrow, what the next year might have for us, specifically on the social media platforms that we work on. So to help me with that, I'm joined by Andrew Hutchinson. Andrew is the head of content and social media at socialmediatoday.com. If social platforms are your jam, his website has the fastest coverage than anywhere, as far as I can tell. He's an award-winning blogger and author and occasionally advises clients on social business strategy. He joins me now from his home in Canberra, Australia. Andrew, welcome. Hello, Todd. How are you? I'm well. We're chatting because you wrote what I thought was an outstanding piece um, back at the end of October called 32 Predictions for Social Media Marketing in 2023, and I wanted to have you on to touch on some of them. So I, I, I want to go through the six platforms, um, and then we'll start with the granddaddy of them all, I think, Facebook. Where do you think Facebook will be in 2023 in terms of both their AI and then also the, the sort of like content recommendations that they seem to be more or less obsessed with these days? Yeah, I mean, they've pretty much clearly said that like there's going to be more and more AI recommended content. I mean, TikTok has led the way on that in terms of showing people more stuff from profiles they don't necessarily follow because that gives them more capacity to show you stuff that's more engaging rather than enclosed to your only your friendship group and your social graph. So I uh, Facebook is desperate to try and get as much attention as possible. Um, I, I feel like at, at one stage they were more sort of like, yeah, but we're moving towards the metaverse anyway. So I'm not really worried. They weren't didn't seem as worried about people migrating to TikTok and other platforms, but I think they realized that they'll also need those people to merge across from Facebook and Instagram into uh, their metaverse space. So uh, it's become a bigger focus, especially because younger users are switching off of Facebook so readily uh, these days. It's you know, one of the least popular social platforms, I think, among younger users. Um, so yes, I suspect that they will uh, squeeze in more of those recommendations, uh, which uh, users haven't been overly impressed with. On Instagram in particular, there was a big mm-hmm. backlash, especially from celebrities saying all these things are coming you know, from, from profiles that I don't follow. Um, but I think they feel like if they can get those recommendations right, even if people don't necessarily like it, they'll start clicking on those anyway, and the engagement will increase regardless. So, and, and you sort of do see that, like when you're looking through, there is a reel that comes up, and you're like, "Oh, I'm interested in seeing that," and then you've just contributed to their engagement. You've just done what you're, you know, you sort of you feel like you you don't like about it. You've just contributed to it. So, um, <laughs> I think that's what the way they view it is that, like, well, even if you say you don't like it, your actions show that you do. So, we're going to show you more of this stuff. So, yes, I definitely think that's the way they're going to go. I recognize I'm childish for doing this, but I try my hardest not to tap on reels not to tap on youtube shorts because i don't want to give them the metrics i don't i I just like like let's just we can all be different things you know we don't all have to be the same thing that's exactly it as i say like they they show you stuff and there's something there and you're like i don't want to click on that but i do like there was an example the other day was like um someone goes to the met gala wearing some and it's like who cares about this yes i want to see it of course i'm gonna (laughs) i still want to see it but it's like I, i don't know why yeah it's it's sort of, yeah, that's why you're contributing to it. And I, exactly the same. I see it and I'm like, do I contribute to this? And do I then tell the algorithm that I'm interested in this and see more of this stuff when I don't really want to see it? But I also do want to see this. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, that's exactly it. Even if people say, well, we don't like this. It's like, well, your actions are showing that you do. So, yeah. 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 And, and you know, I mean, one of the, the, the prime differences, and, and this is something I think culturally Instagram, TikTok, uh, Instagram and Facebook have to sort of wrestle with is that TikTok, even though they're trying desperately to copy them, TikTok's whole... MO is completely different. Like their their raison d'etre is 
literally just we want to entertain you for a little while. Whereas Facebook and Instagram, I feel, have are still locked into their kind of their original MO, which was to be a connector with friends and family. And they're having a hard, at least I think they're having a hard time shedding that, deciding whether they should shed that and focus on like where do you see sort of the friends and family focus for the Facebook? Let's talk about Facebook in particular here. Yeah, I mean that's been their 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 bread and butter for a long time. Is when that we connect people, we connect you to your social graph, and it's become a a you know a utility for that reason. It's become a you know a, a uh, compelling app or a, a sort of necessary app for some people from their Facebook groups and they're getting notifications about birthdays and major events. Like it's become essential for some people to to log into Facebook. And I think still people still are logging into Facebook, which I think is what their metrics are sort of are confusing about their metrics is their their monthly active user stats are like still getting higher and still increasing. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't say they're spending that much time in the app. They just log on every day because they want to get those updates from their friends and family. So I think there's a, a variance between time spent and logging in i think facebook is definitely doing uh still doing very well and people logging in uh, but I, I think that they will recognize that that is their their key strength um you're right in terms of tiktok pitches itself as an entertainment app they don't say they're a social app at all and facebook mm-hmm. uh, or meta in general has been saying that more sharing is switching to dms so now people are using the feed to find content that they can share to dms and they're trying to lean into that um, but yeah, I do think that they will eventually start to highlight more of your stuff from friends and family because that's their key differentiator. And if they can keep you engaged in that and then lead you into finding other content, I think they'll they'll revert their focus back to that uh, at some stage just to highlight this is the stuff you come to Facebook for. It's really important. And here's some other stuff you might like. And I think that's probably a, a better approach for them to move into rather than just shoving stuff in your face. I think you're right. You know, I'm I haven't been on Facebook or Instagram um for I think about a year and a half now. It's not any kind of like political statements. I don't I'm not anti Facebook or anti Meta or anti Zuckerberg or anything. It's just that there are so many account closures that happen. Uh, accounts being stopped, uh banned because of no reason. You know, the bots, the enforcement bots just think that you've said something wrong or something like that. And and as an agency owner, um, I can't take that risk. So I had to leave Facebook because the, 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 the their auto bots were so bad. I couldn't take the risk of them, of me posting something completely random, you know, a photo of a goat. And then them saying, you know, we'll stop uploading sexual content. We banned. It was like, it was a goat. I mean, that's it. There's been a big shift away from sharing. And I think that's the big thing. I think that people, like when Facebook originally came out, it was all about friends and family. It was all about posting stuff to your mates and whatever and saying, yep, here's a cool thing I'm doing. And people just got sick of it, I think. People are just like over it. And there's also all the controversies about your old social media posts, uncovering something unsavory about your past or whatever. You've seen celebrity scandals. And then there's the political stuff where people, it's really divisive. And I think that most people are just like, I'm just not interested in that. And so that's why sharing has shifted to DMs. So, yeah. Hmm. And where do you see the metaverse or, or at least Zuckerberg's version fitting in here? Is there going to be some sort of integration, do you think, in 2023 between the Facebook platform and this sort of, uh, you know, arm that seems to be kind of attached to the being? Yeah, I mean, avatars are the obvious link between the two, um, you, pushing more usage of your avatar to start communicating through avatars. So the sort of templates for the metaverse they're talking about are games like Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox, where kids are interacting as their avatars. They're communicating with each other, and then you dress them in different clothes and things like that, exclusive items that you could only get through in-game achievements and things like that, which def- signifies that you're you know important for that reason. Um, and that's how they're going to sort of try and merge us towards that metaverse by pushing more of these avatars and saying, look, you can use your avatar to communicate. And hopefully, as that becomes a more habitual behavior, 
that leads people into like, oh, well, here's another way you can use your avatar in VR or they're also integrating the metaverse into other spaces where you can in AR and even in Facebook itself where you'll be able to log in and interact with people in VR or using it in different ways and you'll sort of start merging towards that metaverse experience through avatar usage. So you've already seen that with them pushing 3D avatars into Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, but yeah, you'll see more of that, I think, where there's going to be like, you should be using your avatar for this. Or here's another way you can use your avatar and here's other things you can do with your avatar creation that mm-hmm. are going to align you towards that shift. Kind of reminds me of what Xbox does with theirs. You can have on Xbox, a, a, a you know, you've got a, a, an avatar of yourself. It's fairly plain. You can go to their avatar shop and buy clothing for it. A lot of the clothing is free because they're promotional items. You know, there'll be like lots of Assassin's Creed gear because that's a very popular game in Assassin's Creed. Ubisoft wants to promote the game. But there's also stuff you can buy. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I bought a unicorn for 99 cents with real money because I wanted my avatar, damn it, to be riding a unicorn. I thought it was hilarious. And so, you know, as much as we <laughs> try to get away from this thing, I, I, you know, sometimes sometimes it can be somewhat compelling, which is sort of peculiar. So that's Facebook. The other side, of course, um, there are other tentacles out there. There's WhatsApp. There's certainly Instagram. Where do you see their, you know, we talked about AI recommended content on Facebook. Do you, are we going to see the same on Instagram, do you think, next year? Yeah. I mean, again, the same thing. They've, they've said that they're definitely going to move towards that, even though there has been that backlash to their initial push to get more content in. And right now, your Instagram feed, to me, feels pretty messy. Like you go on there and there's old posts and posts from profiles you don't follow, and it feels a bit all over the place. But Adam Masseri, who's the head of Instagram, has said that their, their system's not good enough yet, and they are working to improve it. But uh, I think, yeah, TikTok has shown the way. And again, it's that shift towards entertainment as opposed to social connection. Um, It used to be that their big advantage was that you connect with all your friends and you can engage with all your friends. But now uh, social media apps have transformed from that type of usage and more towards replacing pretty much every other type of media uh, and taking up more of your time by replacing every other type of media. And now entertainment is what people are going to them for. So uh, I think they see that as an an inevitable shift and there's not much they can do about it. So they're moving more towards showing you more entertaining stuff. And that means um, showing you stuff from profiles that you don't follow that are getting lots of likes and lots of engagement in the in the hopes that you'll click through. And exactly as we said, you'll see it and you might be like, well, I don't follow this and I don't like it. But if you click on it, then you're like, well, your actions are telling you that you do. So uh, I think you'll find that overall the metrics would show that more people are engaging with it, even if they say they don't like it. A lot of people who listen to the podcast, of course, run ads. A lot of people run ads on Instagram. It still does perform for some campaign objectives. And Instagram, since it is mostly a mobile uh, application as opposed to Facebook, which is you know used somewhat, I mean, a lot on mobile, but also has a fairly significant desktop component to it. Because Instagram is is on smartphones for the most part, it lends itself to smartphone technology like augmented reality and so forth. Next year, where do you see ads playing a role here like will we be getting an integration of ar and advertising in the same way that like snapchat has been very successful in doing will they become more interactive do you think next year yeah i suspect so and uh, uh, there's obviously meta's developing their own ar glasses and we don't know what's happening with those when they'll necessarily be coming out there's a there's a lot of component delays and things like that because of the the global shipping you know, problems and um, supply chain issues. So uh, I think they don't know for sure when they kind of come out. But 
eventually they're going to start moving towards that AR integration. We've already seen that with NFTs and they're trying to sort of move into, you know, NFTs and newer technologies on Instagram. I think that's their best vector to sort of reach uh, younger and trending sort of topics is to introduce some of those things there. So I think, yeah, you'll get more interactive type posts on Instagram, um, more AR uh, aligned posts. Uh, I think they're going to push more and more in that direction, more and more of a technological direction. And you've seen that in their uh, in their recent Creator Week um, the activation. They had the top creators and there was a whole section on Web3 creators. So they're definitely li- trying to find ways to align with those tech trends and keep in touch with all of them in case they become bigger things um, like NFTs in themselves. I'm not sure if digital art in itself is ever going to become a huge thing uh, apart from a niche interest. And definitely there's a huge uh, level of niche interest in that. Uh, but I think digital goods and digital items will become much bigger things, as we say, in the metaverse, when you're buying clothes for your avatars or you're buying items for your avatars. All of these items are going to be 3D items that you can show, display in AR. And I think Instagram will be the perfect vehicle for that. You know, I worry about the the direction of Instagram because it, it has become such a, a Frankenstein sort of app without any, I think, without any sort of real direction. I mean, when, when it first started, it was fine. It was a photo thing. And then Snapchat came out with stories. Zuckerberg actually tried to buy Snapchat. They told him to pound rock. So he just copied it. And that's how we have Instagram stories, which became successful. YouTube then started to get a lot more attention. So they slapped on, they created IGTV and slapped that on. Now, you know, we're seeing TikTok and Reels kind of being slapped onto it. I worry that 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 app has begun and, and NFTs and Web3 technology, you know, it's sort of it feels to me like they're always just sort of chasing whatever is really popular. And they're always like three or four months behind. Do you get that feeling or am I just bitter? Yeah, you're, you're right. They always are like adding in the next thing and trying to latch on to the next trend. But you're exactly right. It worked really well with stories. They overtook Snapchat and basically killed Snapchat's growth for a period before Snapchat refocused and changed, uh, switched more towards private sharing and sort of put more focus on that. And now they're growing again. But uh, that's exactly right. It works for them. That's why they keep doing it. Like, again, as much as people might be like, well, it's kind of cheap and crappy that they copy Reels. Like, well, Reels are getting lots and lots of engagement and it's driving more engagement on Instagram. Like, I think it was 20% of time spent on Instagram is now spent in Reels. Like, it's it's getting bigger and bigger. So, they do it because it works. But that's a lever that they can control, isn't it? When you think about it, like, I mean, if you're, yeah. and YouTube did the same thing when shorts came out. YouTube was like, you know, we've got 6 billion views of shorts now. Well, of course you do. You've put it at the top shelf of your app. You know what I mean? Like, don't these platforms, they can control to a large extent whether engagement goes up or not by choosing how to focus on it in the app. That's true. Yeah. and But they wouldn't be able to show that continuously. Like if people were turning off, that wouldn't work for them either, right? So if, if they were showing more and more reels to you and people weren't watching them, then they would be losing engagement. So it, mm. it works to their favor to copy these things. Like as much as it's, it's happened over and over again, every time you look at it and it's like, it works. Like they replicating them is not even so much about beating them out, but it's about stopping people from drifting to other apps. If you need to build a whole new social network in TikTok, why would you bother when you can stay here and you can do see the same stuff and you can do the same thing and you've already got your network here, you can share it amongst your friends that are already on Instagram. So it's also a negating tactic to stop people going away. And yeah, it, it obviously works. It clearly is helping them retain at least some level of usage, even though TikTok usage continues to rise. Um, I think all of those copies are still helping them. But 
There is a significant concern that Instagram is becoming too cluttered, uh, which they've repeatedly said, yes, it is. And they keep scaling back, reducing, you know, removing IGTV and removing those other elements and trying to streamline video back. So they add all these things in, then they go, oh, we've added too much and they bring them all back and then they'll add more stuff in and then they'll bring it all back. <laughs> and they just sort of keep sort of trying. I mean, they, they did the same thing with Messenger. Remember when they had Messenger bots and then they had games oh, in Messenger right. and then they had all yeah. these different things that they thought that this was going to be the new what uh, the new WeChat for the Western world because WeChat's so huge in China. They like if we can bring in all these apps it's going to be amazing and then within six months they were like yeah no one likes this they just want to send messages to each other and they scaled it all back again and now it's all simplified and brought back into the into line again so yeah it's a matter of testing and pushing out and you're right they can control how much engagement they get they can push that out as much as possible and the stats might show that more people are clicking on it and then they might be like actually it's getting too crowded and they bring it all back so yeah Another uh, area of focus that they have been trying, well, I mean, not just them, but all of the platforms, uh, uh, you know, Pinterest included, TikTok included, um, that is very popular overseas in, in China in particular, that they've that all of these platforms have struggled to get their North American users on board with is live shopping or live shopping streams. Where do you think Instagram will be next year in that space? I mean, Facebook's to scale back their live shopping ambitions. So they've said, we're not really pushing it there. I mean, they're trying to cut costs as much as possible anyway. So that wasn't really working for them. But on Instagram, they're still pushing it. Uh, There's obviously... It's doing big business in China. It's doing big business in Asian economies that live shopping is is huge. I think it's like a it's three times the size of the American e-commerce industry alone. So, like, it's it's so big that they see the dollar signs and they're like, we need to make this work. TikTok's trying to make it work. Instagram, of course, is going to stay with it because like, well, if they're going to make it work, then we need to make it work. And of course, then you've got YouTube and Pinterest and they're all looking at it going, well, if they, if it does work, if it catches on, we want to make sure we're on top of that as well. So they're all trying to find ways to make it work. I'm not sure that it's going to catch on. It doesn't seem to have caught on much at all. Uh, but there is some creators on TikTok in particular who are making money from live streams in uh, America. So there is ways to do it. Uh, I'm just, I'm not sure that it sort of aligns with how um, Western shoppers shop, I guess. I, I don't yeah. know that they really are looking to like do that impulse buy thing. I don't think it sort of has the same compulsion that it seems to have in some regions, but um, definitely they're all going to stick with it. And because it could potentially, if it blows up, it's worth so much to them and it gives them so many opportunities to give creators a chance to make more money by monetizing their live streams and things like that, that uh, yeah, it's, it's it's such a big opportunity that they'll keep pushing it and keep trying it. Um, I would say, yeah, by mid next year, you'll have a much better idea as to whether that's going to become a thing or whether they're going to start to really be like, yeah, this is not working. There are other social planner, uh, social platforms that are not on the meta banner, one of which is Pinterest, which still is always the dark horse in my mind. Pinterest and Snapchat both kind of, you know, there's not you don't hear a lot from them necessarily, but they're still plugging away and and getting attention, getting ad dollars, media buy budgets and so on. And one of the things that I've noticed about Pinterest is that as the growth curve in North America begins to slow, a lot of these platforms look overseas for sort of expansion internationally. Do you think that's where next year Pinterest will end up being or, or are they still working North America? Yeah, I mean, Pinterest has lots more opportunities overseas. Their, their average revenue per user is like six or eight times higher in America than it is anywhere else. And they haven't even released Pinterest ads in every region yet. They just released them in uh, Latin American countries this year. So there's still mm. so much opportunity to build on that business, uh, the overseas business. Like uh, most of Pinterest audiences outside of the US, but they make almost all of their money in the US. So um, yeah, I think there's so much opportunity for Pinterest to capitalize on that and make more money from those 
users. It's just a matter of introducing ads and introducing more of their monetization systems into those uh, areas to get more, squeeze more dollars out of those people. And one of the areas that you pointed to for Pinterest that you thought next year would be would have some attention or some work put behind it is refined search and discovery there. Talk a bit more about that. Well, the new chief of Pinterest is uh, Bill Reddy, who comes from Google. He was in charge of Google's commerce elements. So, of course, he's going to be more aligned with search and discovery. And that's what Pinterest has been aligned with for a long time. A lot of their... like. It's surprising how well Pinterest has developed their search and discovery engines, even ahead of Google at times, because they'll release something. And then like a couple of months later, Google will go, oh, and now here's addition to our Google shopping platform, which is exactly the same as what Pinterest released already. So they're actually hitting above their weight in that regard. They're actually really good at sort of matching things up uh, and getting key users to click more stuff and showing them more relevant stuff. So uh, they're going to keep pushing on that. They know what Google's recipe is for their shopping platform now because they've got a Google chief in there. Um, That's going to be a real big push for them is to try how can we maximize discovery how can we get more and more people coming to pinterest to find stuff how can we make sure all of our shopping listings are giving them more options than what they're going to get elsewhere from your your extreme artisan type you know retailers that can't be found anywhere else to big you know big stores so you've got a real full comparison uh, in terms of price in terms of size and all that sort of stuff and you can get it all on pinterest i think they they're just trying to build out the best shopping platform they can and yeah search and discovery is where they've they've succeeded so far where is Pinterest in terms of augmented reality? Uh, they have been developing their uh, furniture scanning and they've obviously got makeup uh, and sunglasses. Like makeup and sunglasses are obviously the easier ones because you've got uh, the elements can already scan those parts of your face and they can sort of match those up pretty easily. But Pinterest is advancing its systems in uh, scanning in furniture and I think that's going to be a big opportunity for them as well is scanning in um yeah, we're looking at how it would look in your house. Like, so you you can place an AR item in your house and see how it'll look. Um, because of the lidar scanners in the new Apple uh, phones that have got much better uh, systems for scaling how they look in real life, uh, that gives them a lot of opportunity to be able to place digital items. And yeah, Pinterest is already advancing along that path. I think the next thing for them will be uh, trying to help retailers scanning their items, give them easier ways to scan in their items in AR so you can then show those items to users and have them display them in their house and see what they'll look like so they can facilitate sales through that way. I mean, that's the big flaw of e-commerce is that you can't see how it'll actually look and you can't feel it. So the closer they can yeah. get to that, the better. And it seems like Pinterest is making some pretty big advances on that front. And I think they'll, again, they're hitting above their weight in a lot of these things. And I think that's another area where they're going to sort of lead the way to some degree um, in terms of placement of furniture in, you know, in your real world through AR. And then likely add products, of course, for we filthy digital marketers to take that technology and, and exploit it, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still working on ways to improve the product ingestion, uh, catalog ingestion system, so they can get as many retailers or many products listed on their on their platforms as possible. So the easier they can make that, the same with AR. The easier they can make it to scan things in. I mean, there is AR apps at the moment where you can scan in objects, but they're pretty hit and miss. The same as if you scan your face in on NBA 2K or something, it's like, yeah, it sort of <laughs> looks like you, but not really. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's the same with yeah with the items. Like you try you, you try to scan them in, they're a bit a uh, bit all over the place, but. They are improving, and I suspect that Pinterest is going to be one of the leaders in making that better and then, yeah, converting that over to how valuable that will be for brands in order to maximize their revenue. I have to say the, the technology, even today, is is phenomenal. Um, my wife and I bought a rug on Amazon, and before we bought it, <clears throat> excuse me, it had one of those uh, scanning 
you know, using the LiDAR camera and it placed the rug right in front of our sliding glass door out to our deck and it looked great. And I took a screenshot of it on my phone. We bought it. Rug comes in, you know, a week later, whatever. I put the rug down. I take a photograph of the real rug there and the two are almost indistinguishable. Like they, it is so hard to tell. Like that technology, I've, I've always been impressed, um, or certainly in the last year as, as how far along that's come. Yeah, and the easier they can make it for retailers, the better for them. Obviously, there's going to be more stuff listed. There's going to be more opportunities for them to showcase that stuff. So I think that's the big thing is simplifying it as much as possible, making apps and systems that are like, here, we're making it as easy as possible for you to upload all of your stuff to our system. And then the better their listings are, the more retailers are going to jump on, the more products they've got to list. And again, it goes back to that search and discovery, the more stuff they've got to show you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One of the beneficiaries of Twitter's um, uh, exodus, I guess we call it, although who knows what it really was, uh, was LinkedIn. Was certainly one of the beneficiaries. LinkedIn, which I, I'm always amused to read your articles on LinkedIn because every so often LinkedIn will make this very big announcement saying we're seeing record levels of engagement. And in every article I've read of yours going back years now, you point out but they still don't tell us the actual numbers. <laughs> no, and it, and they report uh, total total members, not total users. So it's like well, that doesn't really mean anything. Like, of course, lots of people are going to sign up over time. If any platform listed how many profiles have been created, it'd be amazing. It'd be mind blowing. Yeah. It's always going up. But it's like, yeah, but how many people are actually using it? So, but LinkedIn doesn't have to report that because they're under Microsoft, so they don't they're, on, they're not under any obligation to be transparent about the detail of what their operations are. So, um, yeah, they get away with it. But yeah, record levels do. of engagement. Always record. <laughs> always, always, always. And yeah. and to be fair, it probably has been in the last quarter as well. I mean, I'm sure that they are, are going to report f uh, big numbers as, as a result of, of Twitter's thing. But let's talk about next year where you see LinkedIn being. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I thought was interesting was sort of improved video connection tool sets. What is that? Yeah, I mean, they've been adding more video in, like same as every platform. Video does better on uh, LinkedIn than pretty much every other type of, uh, of of post. And they've been adding more systems in to be able to capitalize on that. So adding in more meeting tools, virtual meeting tools, trying to cap in, uh, tap into the Zoom sort of push. Um, and they added in like uh, direct meetings from DMs so you can video call via DMs and things like that. So I think they're going to put more and more of that stuff in and try and replace more of that personal interaction. I mean, especially with the work from home push, there's a bigger need for people to connect via video and sort of uh, connect them up quickly and easily. And LinkedIn being the professional platform, especially between job seekers, it's going to be a real opportunity for them to put in more video tools to be like, look, you can connect straight away through LinkedIn. You don't have to go to other apps. Stick with us for all your professional needs and you can go through this way. So they've already added them into their events tools with you know, their live streaming has been integrated into events. Um, and as I say, their DM tool where you can connect via video. There's also the videos on profiles. So your, your headshot can now be animated and answering questions about yourself 
Um, I think that's where they're going to move more towards putting more of those video connection tools in to make it much easier for you to connect via video, to connect to someone face-to-face straight away. So especially for questions about job queries, I think it's going to be a big advantage for them to be able to connect people up as much as possible. And you know, if you're asking someone, they just go, hey, jump on a video call and you can go straight away. So um, they've sort of got a lot of that infrastructure in place at the moment, but I think there's going to be a much bigger push to get more video in there. And on top of that, there's also, I think, going to be more uh, of a push to get more creators publishing video on LinkedIn and even, I, I suspect, a LinkedIn video tab where you can go and they're going to look to tap into that sort of TikTok-style engagement, maybe even a full-screen video tab where you can go through and see video content, more and more video content from creators because, like every other platform, they know that creators are the ones who bring their audience in, so they want to try and capitalize on that as much as possible, give them as many tools as possible to keep posting so you keep more people coming through. And they did have a stories like product for a while. It didn't last long. They killed it off pretty quick. And now we're seeing sort of bits and pieces of it in 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 the photo um, technology that they've got. Do you think we'll see that come back in any sort of form? No, I, I they they had tried LinkedIn Stories for I think that was it was only active for like eight months. I think in the actual app, but before that, it was active on college campuses for a long time. There was like a, a LinkedIn Stories just for college campuses and. So they had that going for ages. So they've they've got a long line of a lot of data to suggest whether it's going to work or not. And I'm guessing it obviously didn't work. So um, yeah, I, I think like there's obviously a lot of supporting infrastructures required for that as well. And uh, I think it's just not worth them investing in that as a product when there's so many other opportunities for them to connect in a way that's more aligned with their use case. That I just don't think stories really functions for LinkedIn. Yeah. What about audio? Uh, well, audio, you'd think, I think LinkedIn has the, the biggest opportunity in terms of audio, like Clubhouse, that Clubhouse trend that sort of, uh, you know, rose up really quickly and then died out. Um, I think LinkedIn could capitalize on that significantly by connecting up professionals. Like if you had live audio rooms within your niche or within your industry, mm-hmm. that is a really big opportunity. I think if you can make connections through them with uh, people in your sector, then I think that's also a big opportunity for LinkedIn. So I suspect that they'll make a bigger push on audio as well. Um, they've already got audio rooms and they've already started to roll them out. But the same, like LinkedIn, as always, is sort of behind the times. They get there when they get there and they're sort of slowly, you know, rolling these things out. But uh, yeah, I suspect that there's a lot of opportunity in audio for LinkedIn. So I, I do think they'll probably explore that a bit more and you'll get a lot more audio rooms and maybe even those indicators you get in every other app where it's at the top saying this is an audio room that's happening now. I mean, discovery has always been a big problem on LinkedIn. It's hard to find um, live stuff in particular. There's not really a highlight for it. It's just sort of you luck across it or you look in the right tabs and you have to sort of know where to go. So I think that'll be another thing for them. If they want to really capitalize on their engagement, it'll be like showcasing that this live stream is happening now, this audio room is happening now and getting more people to click across and get into them. So that that may also relate, I think, to like reforming the app a little bit and trying to put more of those notifications up front and highlighting them more in separate tabs or whatever, just to sort of maximize that engagement and keep it keep those record levels of engagement flowing <laughs> i have always been surprised that they hadn't rolled out a clubhouse clone i mean twitter was quick to with twitter spaces not quick to but twitter twitter eventually did um i'm surprised they didn't especially when you consider linkedin learning which used to be called lynda.com which is their giant library of of courses you could see really easily them kind of bolting on a you know, clubhouse like audio live room kind of thing at, at the end of every uh, of every course, and then like maybe that that lecturer has office hours once a week or something as part of that. It, it does seem like it's it's a missed opportunity. The yeah. other thing that that's always sort of made me confused about LinkedIn is that, you know you mentioned they have been slow to kind of iterate, which is absolutely true. And one of the things that they've kind of left to 
grow a little bit of UI mold is the feed itself. Like it ha- the feed and the user interface hasn't changed. It, do you think that they'll be moving toward a different presentation in 2023 or are we going to stick with what they've always done? Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been about seven years since they've done any significant revamp of the feed. And as I say, with all these different engagement options, uh, and you're right, they do actually have audio rooms. They just haven't really, they haven't released it to everyone and they haven't sort of, pushed it enough to sort of make you aware of it. But as you, as was noted, like discovery is problematic. Like you can't find anything mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Like it's sort of the feed is all over yeah. the place. Sometimes you get posts from three weeks ago and you're like, oh, someone's got a new job. Oh, no, they posted that a month ago. So you sort of <laughs> like it's it's sort of like it's a bit there's a few things they need to change. And yeah, I suspect that they'll they'll revamp the feed a little bit. I'm not exactly sure how they'll do it, but I do think every app is thinking about full screen video and full screen format and how you sort of capitalize on that. I mean, that's obviously a trend that's coming from younger users. As those users come through, that's going to be an expectation and an habitual sort of thing that they're going to be looking for. So, um, yeah, I think every app is thinking about how they present their video and LinkedIn with audio and video, I think has opportunity to potentially create new tabs and new notifications that will maximize engagement. If they can, if you can show you that those are happening, like if I was on LinkedIn and it said, here is a social media marketing room and Todd is in here talking about, oh, I might tune in and check it out. But Mm -hmm. You don't get those notifications. Like there's not enough of that to sort of maximize engagement. So even though LinkedIn is seeing more, um, I think that's what they're looking to. And as you say, especially with the Twitter sort of migration and Twitter's real-time sort of feed, I think if they really want to maximize anyone coming across, real-time is what they need to sort of tap into. It's so true. You know, I I have a hard time finding my own posts on LinkedIn. I literally, I, I, I go to my profile, I look for, you know, near the top of the screen. It's not there. I go to activity. It's like my books and my certificates like where are my, I, I still have a hard time finding just that so yeah hopefully there'll be some ui changes all right a couple left let's talk about tiktok um briefly certainly it was the golden child uh in 2022 where do you think tiktok is going to end up uh next year yeah tiktok is obviously growing uh, exponentially it's still getting bigger and bigger um i think that their biggest thing their biggest opportunity is based on what they've done in china which is e-commerce e-commerce is like their biggest revenue intake in doyin which is the chinese version i think that's how you pronounce it um that's the chinese so, version yeah. of tiktok and um yeah it makes them heaps of money so of course they're looking for ways to integrate e-commerce and in doyin you've got shops uh that like it's all focused on e-commerce there's shops everywhere there's ways to buy things. There's live stream on one side of the app and there's shops on the other side of the app. And they're going to integrate more and more of that stuff and try and maximize the sort of engagement they have to try and get people to buy more stuff. Uh, And that's that's the biggest push from them is going to be getting them to buy more things. Um, They've been trying to push that for a long time. As you say, it hasn't really caught on. Live stream shopping hasn't really caught on, but um, it's already such a massive thing in Doyen that I suspect that's where they're going to go. It'll be interesting to see how they manage that because it, <clears throat> I, I would think it's a very, it would have to be a very careful um, introduction of that into into the feed. People are so used to it just being entertaining, and every you know whatever sixth or tenth uh, video is an ad. Um, it'll be interesting to watch how North American users, in particular. Yeah, I mean, the advantage that we have with TikTok is that Doyen's been around for five years before it. So we know what they're going to do because you can look at Doyen and see all the stuff that's already in there. So if, you, if you've got access to it or you've got someone who's, you know, who uses it, you can sort of look at it and go, oh, you can see where they're sort of heading uh, already. So, I mean, it's, it's fairly obvious that they're going to try and copy that stuff. And it makes perfect sense. That's how they made the most money. Exactly how they integrate it um, is harder because, as we say, Western audiences are a lot different to uh, the Chinese audience where like the habits or the usage habits that happen in China just don't 
replicate. Like, we're, as we said with Messenger already, that just didn't hasn't kind of come across. Like, messaging apps in China are like essential utilities. Yeah, you do everything through your messaging apps. It hasn't really translated. And we even saw Elon Musk saying this recently, saying, oh, we could make Twitter into this. And it's like, yeah, everyone's tried that. Like, it's it just doesn't work. I, for whatever reason, those trends don't always translate. And there might be a way that they've just approached it wrong. And maybe there is some way that they can integrate it differently. But um, yeah, it's, it's how you actually place that in the feed, exactly as you say, to sort of transform your sort of habitual usage behaviors from just scrolling through videos. Like, how do you get people to extend that to live stream shopping or to going to shops and buying stuff. And with so much captive attention, there's plenty of opportunity to do it. And they've experimented, as I say, they've experimented with these things for six years. So they know the best way to integrate them. That's why TikTok always seems like they're ahead of the game. It's like, oh, they've introduced this new feature and it's already refined. It's like, yeah, because it's been around for five years. Like they've, they're ahead of the game in that regard because they literally are ahead of the game. They've already done it all before. So um, yeah, there'll, there'll be ways like you'll see them slowly start to push more shops and things in there. Um, but yeah, definitely you're going to have more buying opportunities within TikTok. And that brings us to Snapchat. And I've always been interested in, or, or amused when I've had conversations with people that are not necessarily in our industry. And I bring up Snapchat and they'll say, oh, that was really popular a while back. You know, I, I, I don't really hear much about it. And yet, when you actually look at their numbers, look at their user base, look at the, the pace at which they're putting stuff out, they're out there. They're doing like they've actually, as you mentioned quite a bit earlier ago, they've turned things around uh, fairly quickly. And I think the area that they're most known for um, at least from a technological point of view, are their augmented reality tools, their glasses. They had a drone out there for a while. Um, where do you see Snapchat? It, it, let's talk specifically about, not content, we'll talk content in a moment, but about augmented reality. Where do you see that being uh, next year? Yeah, I mean, the same as Pinterest hits above its weight in search, Snapchat hits above its weight in AR. As much as you've got Apple and Meta developing their own AR uh, glasses and their own applications. It's like Snapchat continuously beats them to it. Like if you see an AR trend that comes from a filter, it's from Snapchat. Almost every single one comes from Snapchat. No one's, no one even close to beating their numbers that in terms of hits that they get through their, through their filters, whether it's the anime lens or the old person lens or whatever it is, they all come from Snapchat. So they, they're constantly leading the way. And part of that is, technological and you know getting the right people to develop but they've just got a really good nous and really good sense of what their audience is going to engage with and they've they've had that forever obviously um which is why it was so valuable to facebook which is why they tried to buy them but um yeah they they constantly lead the way even though they shouldn't even though it's like they have nowhere near as much money or resources they continuously are able to lead it so uh i snapchat's developing their own ar glasses they don't say anything about this although they do there is there is models that are people have in the wild people do have these ar glasses and they are using them like developers and partners creator partners and things like that that are wearing snapchat glasses already i think they're very close to being released i think they're probably closer than what i've seen from the other ones um meta is still pretty much internal uh internal prototypes apple the same but um snapchat seems very close to sort of releasing their actual ar experience and they look weird they're like best futuristic sort of sharp type lenses and stuff but um, they're promoting those experiences on the Spectacles Twitter account all the time. There's constantly like videos of people doing things in these AR glasses and they already have the production um, systems in place. They've got like they produce their Spectacles in China and they've got a, uh, a distribution flow for Spectacles already. It seems like it's it's closer than what I think people expect for them to release AR glasses and I do think they're going to beat the other ones to it. But the other aspect of that that I think is interesting is that Snap has continuously 
partnered with Apple on AR elements. When Apple releases something in their iPhone, they showcase it by showing a Snapchat lens, right? And it's like there's there's a sort of subtle partnership between the two. And I think I think there's a good chance. I, I've been saying this for a couple of years because so I, I don't have any internal insight. I don't know anyone who would be involved in it, but I suspect that there's some level of partnership and it would be potentially beneficial for Apple to partner with Snapchat if they were going to release AR glasses and they release a, you know, a, a sort of a, a group project of sorts. And uh, yeah, that would sort of enable them to capitalize on that and get ahead of Meta by releasing these AR glasses before anyone else can. If they have the sort of backing of Apple aligned with the iPhone and then they've got the, uh, the glasses, I think that would be a, a really big advance that I think is actually closer, as I say, than people expect. So that's technology, that's hardware, that's partnerships. The last piece of the puzzle usually is around content. And you had mentioned that you thought uh, they would be pushing more into kind of a sports um, area next year. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, Snapchat's been trying to appeal to older users of late, which isn't something they've never tried to do before. It's always been like we're a young people's app, young people use our app, and they've never seemed too concerned about trying to appeal to older users. I'm not sure whether they consciously considered that like maybe they just thought well once our, older, our users get older they'll just keep using snapchat so they never needed to worry about it or whether it was just more like no we're just focused on younger audiences but now they realize they need to appeal to older audiences as well especially as their audience ages up if if they're still a young app and people are moving off to other apps then it's like well that's no good for them so recently they've like they've already got content partnerships with the nba and the nfl and the mlb and they recently announced one with la liga in uh in europe and i i suspect that that's going to be a big focus Focus for them. If they can get more exclusive sports content and get more older users in through sports, I think that would be uh, a way for them to uh, rope in more older users or keep those users around for longer that might switch off to other apps. If they've got compelling sports content and they can combine that with the map or they can combine that with uh, AR elements and things like that, I think that could be a unique uh, value add that they could incorporate. And they could also you know, partner with uh, sports betting apps through their Snap Minis and things like that. They could also give you the the live sort of uh, bets and things like that you could do straight through the app, potentially. Like I think there's a lot of avenues that they could use that um, is probably the best way for them to keep older users around for longer. Yeah. I, you know, I always tell people who have not, or who are in digital marketing, who have not had Snapchat on their phone in the last year or two or three or whatever, to install it on their phone and look at the Discover tab in particular. Don't worry about texting people, sending snaps. Look at the Discover tab. There's actual really high quality content there in series, like little TV shows. Granted, they're only 10 minute shows, but compelling and something that I think attention span wise, Instagram would kill for. Yeah, and the interesting thing from that perspective is that Snap has aligned itself with shorter attention spans. Like our attention spans are shorter. People don't want to watch half an hour programs anymore. So Snap's Discover shows tend to be much shorter, like 10 minutes. And so you can watch a series of 10-minute episodes and that sort of ropes a lot more you know, users in. It gets a lot more younger viewers in. Um, again, if it's looking to appeal to older users, that's not necessarily the same thing. But uh, if it's aligning with that usage behavior and that sort of you know shorter attention span, it feels like that could be the future of TV or episodic TV to a degree. Um, people get sick of, especially with TikTok, because TikTok's so quick and so rapid, it ruins your attention span. So if you try to watch a movie, it just makes it harder and harder. So if they can sort of get that uh, move towards that shorter attention span or you know shorter episodic TV shows, I think that could be still a compelling uh, thing for them to get more people in and get more people spending more time in the app. Andrew, I think that in 20 years from now, when marketers look back at 2022, they will generally perceive it to have been kind of a meh year all around, the economy being what it is, the slowdown in the in media buying and so on. What do you think 2023 will look like when we look back at it, say, 10, 20 years from now? 
Uh, I mean, it's a it's a sort of inflection point to some degree. I mean, you've got all these different um, technological innovations coming at once that aren't here yet. So there's lots of like, oh, what's coming next? But also we're still doing what we always do, right? So there's still all the same apps and still the same platforms, but we're talking about NFTs and we're talking about Web3 and we're talking about the metaverse. And those, like they're not here and there's no tangible thing to sort of go to. Like you can't log on to VR and be like, oh yeah, this is what it's like because even if you can access Horizon Worlds, which not everyone can, it's not what it's going to be like. So it's we're still a long way from what the true vision will be. So it feels like a transitional year, uh, which makes sense in terms of the yeah, economic uh, impacts as well. Like there's just a lot of like, it feels like anticipation. It feels like now there's not much happening, but we all know that something's changing. We all know that things are all in the works and all the things that we're seeing are just it feels a lot, a lot of pedestrian stuff. It feels like a lot of like, yeah, we're going through the motions on a lot of these things, but we all know that this is, we're moving to the next stage. So that's almost like also what's sort of um, a concern that Twitter is sort of going through its transition now in that users are already considering what other options are going to be available. So if you're pushing them in that direction, it's like, well, they're just going to look harder and the people are going to be developing these other apps. That's like, well, now they've got more motivation to develop. And the, the same is with Apple increasing their app prices and their fees and stuff. It's like, if you're pushing apps, if you're increasing your fees on, uh, was it boosts on Facebook? Now they're going to charge a 30% tax on boosts on Facebook. It's like, well, mm-hmm. now developers and they're going to look for alternative options. So we're already exploring Web3 and all these other things. This is just going to make them, make, you know, it, it, it sort of exacerbate development of those things. So it feels like right now it's sort of like the um, big tech providers that we know, not on the way out, definitely by far, you know, they've got a long way to go, but it, it sort of feels like we're in a, a shift at the moment. It feels like we're in a period of change in general, but in terms of digital marketing specifically, it feels like there's things that are starting to develop where it, it feels like something new is going to come along soon that's going to sort of be significant. Uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know that the metaverse is yet. Metaverse still feels like a long way off, uh, but it feels yeah. like there's something in between that that's going to change how we view things and change usage habits. And I think that's that's coming at some stage. I don't know what it is yet, though. Lots to think about. Andrew, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you for having me. Andrew Hutchinson is head of content and social media at socialmediatoday.com, which is where you can read his full piece. Search for 32 predictions for social media marketing in 2023. It was published on October 31st. And that will do it for the week. Today in Digital Marketing is produced by EngageQ Digital on the traditional territories of the Sunamic First Nation on Vancouver Island. Our associate producer is Steph Gunn, production coordinator Sarah Guild, music licensing by Source Audio, ad coordination by Red Circle. And you know, not many people know this, but our theme composer, Mark Blevis, is one of the world's foremost experts on podcast extras, like the one you're listening to right now. In fact, just the other day, he suggested that I scrap the credits I have now and just go simpler. Something like this, he said. Luther croons. Sly's the original originator. James screams. Marvin was the only innovator. But nothing can compare. Nothing can compare when Smokey sings. I'm Todd Maffin. Have a restful weekend, friends. Steph will be back with you Monday, and I'll be back in four sleeps. I got four more sleeps till I'm home with you I got three more days left here with these blues I got two more minutes left to tell you you're the one
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.